Welcome to the Brains Magazine podcast, a podcast with in-depth interviews and conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, expert coaches, industry leaders, and international celebrities. Get exclusive insight into the world of business, mindset, leadership, and lifestyle with your host, Mark Sefton. Welcome to this next edition of the Brains Magazine podcast. I'm super excited for today's guest. We have Nicole Roberts-Jones, Bankroll Your Brilliance, expert and CEO of NRJ Enterprises. How are you today, Nicole? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Normally I answer if I was any better, I'd be twins. But actually, it's been a kind of an up and down (laughs) sort of week. So I'm I'm doing good. You yeah. know, as, as Jim Rohn says, it's the setting of the sail. You can't do nothing about the wind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Right. <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It is so true. And I love your hair. I absolutely Thank love you. it. It's got great I volume. It. Some days it's fluffier than others, but yeah, I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you? How are you doing? I'm good uh, today. You know, I always say sometimes I could be sunny, sometimes it could be fair and partly cloudy, but today is a sunny day. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's good to have that perspective, isn't it? That things are temporary and, and not permanent, you know, and we have to keep, yeah. you know, showing up even when we don't want to. And uh, yeah, yeah. I think to get going on this interview today, Nicole, there's, there's so many things that I think I could take in a different direction here. But what I what I want to start with is I want to talk to you a little bit about transferable skills. Mm-hmm. So I know you you were a veteran in the entertainment industry, uh, mm-hmm. and then you evolved to your Brilliance Mastery Academy. Yeah. And what I'd like to know is was that easy? What was the biggest challenge, and maybe what was the biggest synergy between being a veteran in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. and now being uh, the heartbeat behind Brilliance Mastery Academy? Right. So I'll tell you, if you ask me this, so I've been doing this for 28 years. Mike, how old are you? Yes, this year marks 28. So back in 1993, when I started this, if you would ask me that, I would have said, I have no idea how to answer that. You know, what I find is interesting, and just to give you context so that when I answer it, it makes sense. Let me just tell you how I got here. So as you said, I worked in the entertainment industry. And let me tell you, that was a career I dreamed of since I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. And I had made it. So at the time, my, my, my first job, it's funny, my business card for my first job is right there. I worked for uh, Viacom's largest cable network. We had an outreach for over, to over 89 million homes on a weekly basis. From there, I worked in a casting position on the number one TV show on Fox. And then from there, I worked with a production group. And what we generated was uh, produced, what we produced, I should say, generated $12.6 billion a year. So I want you guys to get, I was playing pretty big. Plus, mm. Mark, I think you know me by now. You know, I was going to all the hot Hollywood parties, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, all yeah. the red carpet events. I was living the dream. But here's the thing. In the dark of the night, when I was by myself, I started to feel tormented by my dream because I felt like something was missing. And, and I, I felt conflicted, conflicted by that because how could I feel like something, something is missing? And I love my job. Mm. It's the thing I dreamed of. I had made it, but yet... You know, I kept feeling like something was off. And, and every time I tried to talk to one of my girlfriends, they would say, are you crazy? Do you remember we went to this red carpet and you went to this premiere? And so anyway, so in the middle of me feeling all dazed and confused, what happened is one of my good girlfriends invited me to volunteer at a program working with young women at our church. 
And when I walked into, and this was a Friday night, so this was no ordinary Friday, right? Because usually on Friday, I'd be at happy hour, right? Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to get this. I did not know that everything in my life was shipped that night. So literally that night, as I started working with young women, their eyes lit up. And as their eyes lit up, my heart lit up. And I realized, oh my God, this is the thing that my heart has been looking for. But I didn't know what it was. Now I know now it's, it's coaching. I know now what I'm really great at is seeing what your gifts are and how to produce your gifts, which by the way, is what I did do in entertainment. I can see what your natural gifts are and how we could really get you in the role that fits. And so I was doing that that night, but I would have never explained it that, that way. And so literally that night, September of 1993, for the first time, my soul was alive. And so that is in essence how I got to this place, doing what I call helping others bankroll their brilliance. I love that. And so I guess hearing you, it's like you had an itch. So, it, mm -hmm. you know, how we talk about something that just doesn't seem to, to, leave, to leave us. I mean, if you think of like, I don't know if you've, if you've got children, grandchildren that are young enough that yep. they love, you know, fruit. Yeah, well, there you go. In terms of like Frozen, you know, Frozen 2, when she's got that ongoing music mm -hmm. in the background, feel, feeling pulled to something, right. to something greater, right. even, right. even Disney knows, or Pixar, whoever, know how to draw, to draw that, you know, that mm -hmm. itch. So I know one of the things is that you practically how entrepreneurs create multiple streams of income. Mm -hmm. how, how do you actually practically do that because you said that you're you're naturally helping them find their natural gifts and, mm -hmm. and as you said bankroll you know their brilliance through yeah. the natural gifting how do you practically help entrepreneurs create these these multiple income streams well I have to tell you I did it for myself first so in that moment in 1993, when I started doing this thing, which I didn't know what it was called. And by the way, there was no computer then, at least I didn't have one, right? Well, there was computers, it was just no internet, I should say. And so I had to go to the library to start researching. I know that sounds so antiquated, right? But I had to go to the library to research what I was doing. And I thought it was social work, right? So I'm gonna get a master's degree in social work. I know it doesn't go together, but how I even began to realize that I wasn't really bankrolling my own brilliance is I was doing, I was coaching. So let me just again, give you context because I'm, I'm a storyteller, but I want you guys to get this because I can tell you the answer, but it's better if I tell you how I got to the answer, right? Mm. So for me that night, I, I went to the library the next day, started trying to research this thing. I began a program at my church, really helping at the time, African-American teenage girls. They was one of my girls who they're in their forties. I'm like, Ooh, how old am I now? But anyway, I'm still in my twenties, excuse me. Anyway, um, so one of them said, Nicole, you know, you've always been like this purpose development person. So really what I did them is help them get clear on what their DNA is, which I call your distinct natural ability and how to align that with your career. Well, many of them came back to me as grown women and started having grown folk problems. You know, the, the problems like I'm not making enough money or I hate my job or I feel like something is missing, my issue. And so I started coaching them. And so one of them sent me an article and said, Nicole, you're my coach. That's how I found out I'm coaching. One of them sent me an article about me being a coach. Oh, so over 17 years, some 17 years in, now I'm 2010. I want you guys to get how I kind of got started. So by 2010, that one program at my one church, I had it in 10 churches throughout the country. I started a nonprofit working with African-American teenage girls all over the country, right? So by then I had a for-profit, a coaching practice. So I had a nonprofit and a for-profit. And my non, excuse me, in my for-profit, 
coaching women, and I do coach men too. I'll say 95% of my clients are women, but I do always say coach a few good men. <laughs> so in my coaching practice, I had a hundred percent full coaching client roster. I couldn't take another client. So in 2010, I wrote my first book. That's my fourth book behind me. And I did that because I wanted to give the principles out because I couldn't take any more clients. And I thought it could be a fundraiser. Now this is going to answer your questions, but I want you guys to get this. So I was doing all of that. And then because my book came out, I started getting invitations to speak all over the country. So by again, 2010, 17 years in, it was the place I dreamed of when I started my business. But here's the thing. I was only generating $13,000 a year, 13,000. That's below the poverty level. So I literally had a, a, I obviously had a daytime job because you can't eat on $13,000. So to make a really, really long story short, I had realized I had been working really, really hard, but I hadn't invested in my brilliance. So I hired a coach and one coaching session, that coach began to show me how I was not really creating all the ways I could work with people that in essence, I was leaving money on the table. And I was like, oh my God, she like really showed me me. She's in the call, aren't you an adjunct professor? Don't you teach at Boston University and what you teach is program development? I'm like, yeah. And I taught at USC the same thing. I'm from California, moved to Boston. And so she said, Nicole, you don't have any programs in your business. That's why you're not making any money, duh. So because this is how I'm wired, I started producing programs that night. I went from 13,000 to over 200,000 within six months. Wow. So that's an S is how, so really it's understanding what your DNA is, again, distinct natural ability. How is it a specific answer to a specific group of people? And how do you package that in all the ways they need it from you? That is really the answer to your question. But I learned it the hard way because I struggled for 17 years. And to be honest with you, I feel like I struggled for 17 years so I could be so passionate about every person I get to work with. I don't want it to take 17 months for you to get it. Mm. You answer that so beautifully. Um, there was one thing in particular that popped out, out of everything because I've seen it in myself. And because we've obviously, you've talked about church a little bit. I know you have a God of focus as well. So there was one thing that I wanted to pull out from yourself, from what you shared. Also something that I see in the Bible and also that I've seen in my own life, which I think is interesting. And it's the fact that somebody saw you as a coach before you saw yourself as a coach. Yes. And if I'm right, if I'm right in this, it was John the Baptist who said, behold, the son of God. And that was the first time that Jesus was put in a position of, you know, authority and leadership. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I was 13, when I came from a broken family and I was always compared to my more academic sister, I really didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. It was mm. uh, my basketball uh, PE teacher, Mr. Aldridge, who said, Mark, I want to make you the school basketball captain. And he mm. saw something in me before I saw something in me. Somebody right. saw something in you, you know, and then John the Baptist saw something in Jesus that maybe he didn't. How much of that do we need to be mindful of us calling out what we see in other people in terms of seeing them lead and grow? Such a masterful question. So what I've learned is that we all have blind spots. Mm. So, you know, when you're driving in the car, they tell you to look because there might be a whole car in your blind spot, even though you have a side window, I mean, mirror rather, you still should look in your blind spot. Well, because we all wake up, like you didn't wake up this morning and say, I think I felt like being Mark today, right? You're just Mark on autopilot. Just like I'm Nicole, I can't wake up today and decide I think I want to be Mark today. <laughs> that won't work, right? So because there are things that I do that are intrinsic to who I be, 
I don't realize what I'm doing. So when that coach began, what she did was hold a mirror in front of me. And then when she held that mirror in front of me, what she began to show me was stuff people had been asking me that I had overlooked. Mm -hmm. So I think all of us do it because there's, we all have natural inclinations of certain things we do. And we think, oh, everybody knows how to do this. Uh, no, they don't. And those that do, they don't do it like you. So I think it really does take you having an introspective look and nine times out of 10, I found like I have coaches now, right? I still invest, but it takes someone else to be able to pull out what you can't see in you. Yeah, we're so, we're so aligned, uh, Nicole. It's kind of uh, uncanny, really. Even <laughs> I, I love what you said about DNA, the... Um, Distinct natural Distinct ability. Natural ability. Yeah, I think that was just that's a beautiful frame, and you know, yeah. so so rich. Now you talked about I can see, and it's beautifully placed behind you about your your, your new book. Is it is it called Fierce? Uh, find your fierce. Mm -hmm. Find your fierce. Lovely. So you said that you wrote. I think this is your fourth book, right? Mm -hmm. So I would love to know. I mean, writing four books. I've literally just wrote my third. It's not ready to go to market yet. So. I always think that everybody has one book in them, but I don't believe people have two, three, four. I think that that is a skill in itself. Right. But which one would you say is, is, is the one that you feel the world needs most right now and why? So it's my fifth book that's not out yet, right? Mm. So, but I'm not gonna tell yet because that's out. But let me just tell you. So I think for the moment, so, and, and here's the thing about my books. I feel like I grow. Yeah. And every time I grow, I learn so much that I have to write a new book because I didn't know that when I wrote that book. Right? Yes. yes. Oh, wow. You're so, my twin. <laughs> I promise you, right? All on the other side of the world, right? But here's the thing about fears. So even when I wrote this book, 10, maybe about 15 years ago, I was watching Beyonce and hating on her. I would say a little bit, but I was having a full on jealous moment. <laughs> and as I was watching her, you'll get a kick out of this, Mark. As I was watching her, what dropped in my spirit is you have fears too. And I'm like, I know this is not God talking to me while I'm watching Beyonce. I'm... And so then what flooded in my mind is when Beyonce created Sasha Fierce, it was because she was being called to expand her territory. Mm. So it was easy and comfortable for her to stay in Destiny's Child with other women around her, right? And what I have soon learned in my own business is your comfort and your conviction can never coexist. You can't stay comfortable and go after your next level. It just doesn't work. You're going to be uncomfortable when you're growing your gift. And it's uncomfortable because you've never done it. So Beyonce was uncomfortable being a solo artist because she had, since she was nine years old, been with other women. So mm. she created this. Now, this is me saying this. I haven't met her yet to, you know, test if this is accurate. This is from reading articles. But anyway, um, she created um, Sasha Fierce, this alter ego, so that she could stand in the full power of her gifting by herself, Mm. And what I began to realize is what would happen if all of us stood in the full power of our DNA unapologetically, you know, mm. push past fear, you know, I always say fear is fuel because fear is happening because you're playing bigger than you've ever played before. So mm. use it, right? Mm. Don't let it stop you, right? And so sometimes you've got to have that alter ego so you can be this, this Superman, mm. Clark Kent, or mm. for the ladies out there, you could be um, Diana Prince. Uh, you know, Wonder Woman, nobody knows who Donna Prince is, but that's the alter ego, you know, Wonder Woman. So, so that really, for me, I realized every probably five to 10 years, I grow and I learn. I, and I believe all of us are lifelong learners. The moment you don't need to know anything else, we will have been at your funeral, dare mm -hmm. I say. <laughs> so I'm always learning and growing. And so each of my books is an expansion of who I be, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could totally vibe with that one. Um, I love what you said about how comfort and conviction can't 
co coexist. You you're bringing some really um, it's almost like they're simple yet profound. Yeah, it's it's you're you're sharing some real what I call coat hangers where you can actually hang something tan tangible on and kind mm -hmm. of ruminate in your thought and it and it divides in terms of thought processes. So I'm loving these little. Uh, little and can I tell you? Yeah. What I've learned in the now 28 years, every time I say that, I, I really do stop and think to myself, how old am I? But anyway, in my 28 years, so that 70 year story I told you a few minutes ago, the reason my business kept failing is because I was doing only what was comfortable, mm. right? I kept saying, oh, I'll work an extra hour because I was comfortable. When I paid for that coach, by the way, I didn't tell you, she cost 30,000. Wow. I couldn't afford it, but I couldn't afford not to do it. It was uncomfortable. I didn't know if I was going to be able to pay my monthly payments on my credit card. Let me keep it all the way real. But I knew if I'm going to do this thing, this, the way I've been doing it, it's not working, but that was the, me being comfortable. And so many people that I get to meet, they say things like, oh, well, my job title or, oh, my bank account or, oh, my, my, my mortgage. That's you looking at comfort instead of figuring out what you need to do to go after that conviction, that thing that's rumbling inside of you. Hmm. I'm going to take I'm going to take the conversation a slightly different uh, angle now, because I, I feel like this is really important, both for men and women. Mm -hmm. I'm trying I'm trying to uh, create a symphony between between male and females, because I mm -hmm. think the world's kind of lost its ability. You've got feminists and then you've got bigots and, and, and both have their ugly sides. And I believe that we need to celebrate our differences as men and women. But my mm -hmm. question, my question for you as an established businesswoman, how mm -hmm. can men help women lead better? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's, it's even with the bigots and the feminists, it's, it's appreciating where you're like, and celebrating the differences and getting to know. So like if I use my husband for an example, okay, yeah. and I'm very transparent. So every man I dated before my husband fought me about my business. And I'm clear, my business is my ministry. I'm clear, this is what I'm called to do. You don't get to fight me. It's like, bye, it's over. Now I'm saying that really like it was easy, but it wasn't. Mm. And so when I met my husband, what I realized is that my mother-in-law, who's no longer with us, I used to call her my mentor mother-in-law, just like me. So he grew up with a woman like me. So he got me. And because it got me, if I said on the weekend, I'm, which is always my priority, I'm teaching or I'm going to do a training or never complained. And the minute I knew he was the one we were dating and my nonprofit, I used to do a fundraiser. I love telling this story. And the, the event was in Hollywood um, at the Kodak Center. It was this big to do event and it started raining. And I had this silent auction out on the balcony. It's fabulous Hollywood and it never rains in Southern California, except for during my silent auction. So I'm in the back and it was a fashion show and it was celebrities. And I'm back in the back talking to a celebrity who wanted tea and we didn't have tea and I'm trying to calm her down. And somebody says, Nicole, oh my God, oh my God, it's raining, it's raining, the silent auction. So I run out there and I see people coming from the balcony with all the silent auction items. I'm like, what are you guys doing? They said, the man in the brown suit said, now nobody knew my husband's name. But I had sat him in the audience. I didn't have him working. He took his jacket off and started. He said, baby, I got this. Go on, do what you were doing. I was like, that's my husband. So I think it's really allowing people to shine. And I think sometimes, and, and just the same, my husband is the executive vice president of his company. And sometimes I have to go be the wife. And I love it, right? So it's, it's understanding and allowing, sometimes I need to be in the background and he's in the forefront and vice versa. And it's really appreciating the gift that each of us is. And then, of course, there are areas that I get on his nerves and he gets on mine. 
right? Yeah. So it's really understanding how do you navigate that and not just in a romantic relationship, but in all relationships. If I look at my girlfriends, there are some things about each of my girlfriends and I have guy friends too, that I love and some things get on my nerves. So it's really understanding what do you do with that? Do you stop being the friend because they did something that bothered you? No, but that's what relationships are. It's learning how to communicate. Matter mm -hmm. of fact, relationship, if you think about it, sorry, my allergies are acting up. So if you guys see me scratching my nose, it's- Same. It's <laughs> See, we're twins. So, so literally relationship, the first few words of relationship is relay. How do you relay with each other? If you think about that, if life is like on the track and I'm handing a baton, how am I handing off? Even in a moment of frustration, how do I hand off the communication? That's really what it is. And so for my husband, I realized he just got me even the stuff he doesn't like, you know, cause I can be a little bossy. I'm sure you can tell. So, and he just knows how to deal with that. He's like, okay, bossy, you're at home now. I'm like, oh, sorry. Right. So I think it's just really understanding how to appreciate the differences is really what makes all the difference in, in interacting with each other. Mm. And also I picked up a, as how can you make uh, a woman shine almost like it's like you, the woman is the picture and the man is the frame and you just, yeah. You just, so yeah, that's a great partnership. Sometimes either it'll reverse. Sometimes I'm yeah. the frame and he's the picture, you know? So it, it, it just, you have to be able to do that for each other. And that's in any great relationship. Yeah. You know, I have a really good girlfriend that's a, that I met in a mastermind who's a CEO of her business. She'll be doing an event and I fly and go help her. And I, and she doesn't have to ask me and I'll be doing an event. And she's like, when is it? You know, I'm coming. You know, so it's 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 the same kind of reciprocal thing where you have to support each other. Yeah, I love that. I one of my favorite movies is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It does make me laugh because I do think this is one nil to the women because the Greek uh, mother, she's like, the man may be the head, but the woman is the neck and she can turn the head whichever way she wants. So I just think it's hilarious. But uh, you know yeah. what's funny? My husband has a person on his team and she's from another country. And she said to uh, my husband, when he was meeting her husband, he, she said, he's the man, but I'm the boss. I was like, yes. So I said all the time, he's the man, but I'm the boss. And he's like, really? Hilarious. I was like, you should have never told me that. Hilarious. <laughs> now you created the Brilliance Mastery Academy. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for one of your students if they were to enroll in, in your academy? What would a, what would a sort of a, a normal day or process be as a mm -hmm. student? I'd love to know that. So really, I created this academy because so many people come to me either wanting to start a business or they've already started a business. And let me be clear, I only do uh, service-based businesses. So if you have a hard product business, you want to sell cups, you want to sell pens, you want to sell lipstick, I can't help you right? But if you want to set up a business based on like, for instance, I have a client who has a lipstick applicator line and she's like, oh, you can't help me. Mm, I love a challenge. So I said, you know, when people call you to pick your brain, what do they pick your brain about? And she said, manufacturing. Hello. Right. So that's a whole program we can create. So really what I do is walk them through end to end. How do you go from what your brains is to how to get clear on how do you articulate the predictable result you create? You know, when people come to you, they don't care what you're going to do. Matter of fact, you, have you ever been to a networking event, Mark, and someone's asked you what you do and, and you're starting to tell them because you're excited and they're looking back at you like this because oh, you're, yeah. you're excited and they're in overwhelm now because it's, but they need you, but it's too much, right? right. So you've got to be able to articulate the predictable result. They want to know what do I get at the end? Not all the stuff I'm going to do in the middle. So it's teaching mm -hmm. you that. Then mm -hmm. from there, we create what I call a blueprint. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by blueprint is I recently had the opportunity to redo the house I grew up in. 
And of course, I put every picture off Pinterest. Those of you that are like me in house, if you know what house is, and said, I want these floors. I want my walls to look like this. And my contractor was like, hold on. We need to do a blueprint first. Why? Just get these floors and get this, these cabinets. And he's like, we need to look at everything end to end because if I buy walls that don't match the, the roof, when an earthquake comes in California, my whole house would fall. Mm. And so many people do whatever, however, whenever in their business. When you get clear on what your purpose is and the predictable result it creates, and you then create a blueprint from that, how you get people to that predictable result, you stop doing whatever, whenever, however. Then from that blueprint, we create, how do you produce it? Mm. Well, most people, so this is where I say my, my professor, my, my years of, of entertainment um, with my coaching, because I went to coaching school too, all blend together, because then we look at how do you produce it? You know, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a program. Well, where are you going to, how's your, your videos or your, your masterclasses? How are you going to produce your masterclasses? How are you going to do your handouts? So in essence, I walk them through end to end from producing to launching, to building a group of people that will buy. Last thing I'm going to say is what most people don't tell you is only 2%, 2 to 3% convert. So you've really got to look at how do you masterfully get that conversion? So that's everything end to end. I walked them through their first launch. How do you produce it? How do you prepare it? How do you produce it? And then how do you launch it? Mm, lovely. You're so good at being so clear and detailed in your answers. I, I think that's definitely a superpower for you, Nicole. I've interviewed <laughs> thousands of people, whether it's been on radio or TV or now for Brains magazine. Mm. Um, I love how clear that you make your answers. I think, mm. I think that's what well, I tell you? I do. <laughs> so if I talk about my DNA, when I was little, I got in trouble every day for talking too much. So I've had plenty of practice, right? So I used to, I went to Catholic school. My name would be on the blackboard. If you know anything about this with all the checks for talking too much, right? So now what do I do for a living? I talk. So I think I've had all this time to master. Plus my dad was a storyteller. So I think what I know for sure is People need to see a visual cue sometimes. So when I tell a story, it gives a visual cue to what I'm trying to explain. So I appreciate you. But yeah, I love, I've, I've been talking since I was three. <laughs> <laughs> what do you believe is the biggest obstacle for entrepreneurs and creatives in 2021? I think the biggest obstacle, and we've kind of talked about it, is comfort. You know, Stephen Furtick said the biggest obstacle to uh, what you want to do is not fear is familiarity because people want to do what's familiar, what's easy, what's comfortable. So if you're going to go after that big, bold dream, you're going to have to do it afraid. You're going to have to do it uncomfortable. So I think that's the biggest, um, uh, biggest block. And, and here's the other thing I've learned in, in the midst of uh, coronavirus and all the stuff we've been dealing with over the last year or so is that the one thing that never gets canceled is your purpose. So you've got to be willing to do it afraid so that you can get to the place that you never have to worry about being pushed out or canceled or interrupted. That's a great frame as well. And you can see how you've managed to move through the gears because your frame is, is very agile and adaptable, uh, mm. which I think is a, is a big clue to, to your success and how we need to develop those characteristics, you know, to keep keep moving forward and like we said at the start we can't control the wind but it is the setting of the sail it's your frame it's your belief yeah. so love that would love to know nicole if you could meet somebody living or dead you can only meet one person living or dead who, who do you meet and why do you meet them hmm, that's such a good question i think every day i say something different so um 
I think today, since I talked about her, I would love to meet Beyonce. And it's not for the reasons everybody else wants to meet her. You know, the thing I love about her is that she always is pushing herself to her next level. So, you know, she's been doing these visual albums now. So first of all, she was in a group. She pushed herself. That's when the fierce came. And by the way, she doesn't even say Sasha Fierce anymore because she doesn't need it. Right. Yep. But she keeps outdoing herself. And I just love watching from Coachella to the visual albums. And so I would love to just pick her brain around what really pushes you to keep outdoing yourself. First of all, she's already in the league by herself, but mm. then she keeps outdoing that. So, so, so it's not for the reason I don't care about the celebrity, right? Ooh, yeah. I want to pick a brain about what inspires you to keep being creative and pushing you outside of your boundaries. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's always good to have, you know, somebody that you'd love to kind of just engage with, see, see how they've built what it is. Some of the everyday, the, the beliefs, the, the nitty gritty, you know, the way they express. Yeah. Good, good choice. Um, an interesting <laughs> thought probably all the different reasons that everybody maybe thought of when you first said Beyonce. So yeah. thank you for that. Nicole, as we bring this into land, is there anything else that you would uh, like to share and also tell us where people can interact with you and get to know you a little more? Sure. So first, if okay with you, I'd love to give a free gift. So those of you that are saying, Nicole, I have brilliance and I, whether you don't, you're not clear on what it is, or you want to start it alongside your nine to five, by the way, you shouldn't quit your job because you need to, you need to eat while you're building your business and, or you've been in business, but you're not making money. I have something called a brilliance roadmap quiz. You go to brilliantsroadmapquiz.com. First, it tells you where you are. What are those three stages? And then after that is all free, by the way, it then gives you a five-day challenge again for free that helps you move where you are forward. So again, it's brilliantsroadmapquiz.com. That's wonderful. And then if people want to connect with you on, on social, what's the best way to do that? So my new favorite thing is Instagram. I am in Roberts Jones because my name is too long. So I had to let one of my uh, names go <laughs> in Roberts Jones, my favorite uh, social media platform right now on Instagram. Have you made it onto Clubhouse yet? Because I'm in, I'm digging that one. And, and let me tell you, in full disclosure, I am not trying to be on Clubhouse. I'm like, I have so much going on. I don't know how people have time to like sit on Clubhouse. I'm not, and I'm not judging anybody, but I just cannot find enough time in my day to just be on Clubhouse. Now, when people invite me to Clubhouse, yes. But for me to be on there and hop on, I just, and then the, all the notifications come up. And I'm like, ah, because it's just all day long, right? Not a bad thing, but I just can't, I haven't figured out how to manage one more thing and put it in my schedule. So I like it when I'm on, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I understand. We, I think we all have to know what is our place and then serve the audience based on, you know, where our people hang out, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, I, I've been really enjoying it. I've been getting a lot out of it. And I found that it's built the other social media platforms presence as well. Yeah. Which I find quite incredible. So yeah, I need to do it. I just have not figured out how the heck do I, you know, give myself a, a certain time frame a day. I have just not haven't figured out that that formula to, to really start to do it more. Well, <laughs> I'll invite you into some of mine. You can come up and, and share and then jump okay. off. All right. I love it. Yes. All right. It's been great. Nicole, loved having you. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you for having me. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining this episode with me, Mark Sefton. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Feel free to leave us a positive review on iTunes and I look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode of the Brains Magazine podcast.